That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome back to part two of episode 86 to Above Replacement Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. We're doing the 2018 Red Sox today. Uh, both our uh, both our favorite team, the Red Sox. Um, this, this one hits close to home. Yes, yes, it does. And, you know, we're doing every every major league team for uh, for the for the history series and we finally hit on on our team which is good to good to good to and, it's a, and it's a season that we that we were very much active uh in yeah you know like everyone talks about oh four we weren't we did we have no rec- recollection of 2004 mm-hmm. 2007 is a bit of a blur 2013 we kind of already did on our that's flight. exactly if we didn't do that it would have done 2013 but we already we already covered that team so yeah yeah, we did a live radio show back in February 2020 for that one. But yeah, this one, uh, you know, the most dominant Red Sox team ever. And one of the most dominant, probably top 10 most dominant teams ever in baseball history. So uh, let's let's get into it. So after 2017, it was the Red Sox were kind of in a weird spot. You know, they had they won the division for the second straight season and they did it without David Ortiz. But it's just something still just seemed off and they ended up firing John Farrell at the end of the season and they hired Alex Cora, the bench coach of the world of the defending world series champion Astros to be their manager. I'm going to talk like we, like, I'm going to talk like we still think that they're legitimate because this is 2018, but uh, yeah, they hired Alex Cora, the Astros bench coach. They also re-signed first baseman Mitch Moreland as a free agent. They re-signed Eduardo Nunez as a free agent utility infielder. And more importantly, this one took a while in the offseason, but they signed J.D. Martinez as a free agent. He was coming off of a 40-home run season uh, between Detroit and Arizona, and the Red Sox were looking for a big bat, and they got it. But this was not supposed to be the season of the Red Sox. Giancarlo Stanton had just gotten traded to the Yankees that season, of course. He was coming off of a 59-home run season. He won the National League MVP, and, you know, he was going to be right beside Aaron Judge, who had hit 52 home runs the previous season. So everyone expected this was going to be the year of the New York Yankees. They're going to run away with the division. They're going to, you know, easily win the World Series. And everyone kind of just expected the Red Sox to play second fiddle at the beginning of this season. And on opening day, the Red Sox were leading the Tampa Bay Rays 4-2 to two in the eighth. But Joe Kelly had gotten himself into a jam. With the bases loaded in two outs, Kelly looked to put out the fire. Miller first, Gomez second, Kiermaier third, the 3-2. And it's shot back into right. Well tagged. That ball's going to be off the wall. One hops the wall. Kiermaier scores. Gomez scores. Span's going to go to third. Span's going to hang on at third. And the Rays take the lead. How about that? What an advantage for Span. 5-4 Rays now. So Joe Kelly got in that hole there. And then Carson Smith. Uh, gave up the three-run double to Denard Span. That was a really sore taste in, in Red Sox fans' mouth on opening day. They lost uh, the first game of the year for the first time since 2014. And a week later, with that still being the only loss in the Red Sox season, they had an early opportunity to get revenge on Tampa Bay when they were trailing 7-2 to two in the eighth. 
reset. And Haley Ramirez continues to stay hot with the bat. High fly left field backing up Smith still backing up turning around now. It catches the wall that brings in a run. Ramirez scores. It's a double for Moreland his first hit of the season. But trailing by four late today. Here's the one two. Line drive and a base hit to center. Orland charging to third, stopping there. Kiermaier gets it in. Nunez with a base hit. Red Sox have him on the corners. Fastball. Gets underneath it. 0-1. Ground ball, base hit. That's down the line. Orland is in to score. That'll go all the way to the wall. Nunez into third. They're going to wave him in. Trouble in the corner. Here comes another run. Devers coming through, and the Red Sox close the game. It is seven to five. Hold the phone for a moment. Vasquez one for three. Line shot, base hit. That'll bring in another run. Devers will score. Seven to six. There's that cutter again that's down and away and he reaches and covers the plate and pulls it right back up the middle for the base hit. There's nobody there. Look at straightaway center field. All green. If you went away and came back, welcome back. And a 2 nothing. Vasquez go off second. Now Malik Smith gets it very, very quickly, and here's the throw. Looks like Vasquez may be out, slides around, and gets home play with his hand. Beautiful slide here by Vasquez going away from the tag. How smart is that? Mookie bets at second. High fly ball into left field. Smith backing up on the track. He can't get It's hit high, so he's got time to make up ground. But I think this ball hits somewhere around the bottom of the wall. It does. So the Red Sox with a big comeback there, and they stun the Tampa Bay Rays and keep on winning. After the series, the Red Sox welcomed the New York Yankees for a three-game set. This would be Giancarlo Stanton's Yankee debut at Fenway Park. And after the Sox took game one by a 14-1 score, Things got a little more aggressive in the second game of the series. Joe Kelly sets the tone for what's going to be this upcoming year against the Yankees when both teams are obviously competitive. The Red Sox especially, they won 17 of their first 19 games in the season. And in that stretch, one of the strongest performances was from outfielder Mookie Betts. Shohei Otani coming in 2-0, a 2-0-8 ERA. Mookie Betts seeing him right away. 3-2 again. High fly ball, well hit, deep left, back, 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 gone! Shohei Otani say hello to Mookie Betts. His 12th career leadoff home run extends his club record, and the Red Sox jump on Otani for a 1-0 lead. He got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, very straight, down and in, just above the knees, and he hammered it. Worked a full count, and then got a seed down the middle at 97. There's a drive, left field, this is long, gone, oh, is this crushed? 
over the bullpen, into the bleachers. Number two of the night for Mookie Betts. Sosha is stunned, and the Red Sox lead it eight to nothing. And now you're hearing the Sox fans here chanting for Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, Sox Nation on the West Coast, giving him some love. I love it. Red Sox will have the top of the batting order coming up. That'll be Mookie Betts, who's had a major night. And there's another one. He smokes it deep. Backing up, up, down. Kiss it goodbye. Home run number three tonight for Mookie Betts. He has five on the year. 10-1 Red Sox. Mookie's third career three-home run game. This guy unbelievable or what? So Mookie Betts doesn't care about new rookie Shohei Otani, the the second coming of Babe Ruth. During this 19-game stretch to start the season, Mookie slashed 382, 469, 765, 1234. All of those, except for his OBP, led the majors. He also had a 505 Woba, 223 weighted runs created plus, and 1.7 F4. All of that led the majors. The Red Sox as a team slashed 293, 361, 497, 858 with 20 with 123 runs scored, a 365 Woba, and 128 weighted runs created plus, as well as 5.4 F4. Every single one of those stats I just named led all of the major leagues. They also led the league in pitcher F4 with 4.5, FIP with a 279, and home runs per nine with an 051. Uh, just to give you an idea of some of their pitchers, Rick Porcello and Chris Sale both had sub-150 ERAs in at least 20 innings pitched through this time. Sale also had 12.68 Ks per nine. They were 17-2, and two, four games up in the American League East. But then uh, the train came to an immediate halt after Sean Manaya of the Oakland Athletics no-hit the Boston Red Sox, the red-hot Red Sox, who could not be stopped, were then no hit by Sean Manaya. And this was the start of a three-game losing streak, more than doubling their loss total on the season. And the Red Sox finished the month of April 21-7, and seven, three games up in the American League East. And now we're on to the May of Mookie and Martinez, where uh, the two outfielders, you know, mostly a right fielder and a DH, uh, dominated off dom- dominated offensively in the month of May. And I remember, you know, April was not the was not the greatest month for JD Martinez. The the balls were not quite traveling uh to right field and that sort of changed as the weather heated up. JD Martinez started started to get hot. But it was we'll start with Mookie Betts as on May 2nd, the Red Sox were wrapping on a series against the Royals. And Mookie Betts was able to take over once again. That one high and deep. Driven to left center way back. Yes, sir. Mookie Betts. Number nine. He puts the Red Sox on the board. So he continues to swing the bat against Kansas City and everybody else. Yeah, Mookie right on time. He he gets a low pitch that he just kind of gulps way out of the ballpark. High fly down the left field line. Is it going to be fair or foul? And that ball is gone. 
His second home run in as many at-bats. Look at Duffy shaking his head. He can't believe it. And the Red Sox are on top. And Mookie Betts is back with a bang. One, two, a high fly ball, center field, backing up Gordon. He's turning around, turning around. Mookie Betts has done it again. He has done it again. His third home run and as many at bats. Are you kidding me? Off the charts talent. I mean, are you serious? Home runs in the fourth, fifth, and the seventh. So Mookie Betts, his second three-home run game, uh, right, right in the right at the beginning of May. And although the Red Sox were winning in their usual ways, the Yankees were right on their tail. Between May third and May twenty-second, the two teams stayed within a game of each other, with the lead changing twice. Uh, J.D. Martinez, meanwhile, hit thirteen home runs during the month of May. And he is one of just seven people to hit at least 13 home runs in the month of May since Fangraphs introduced split data in 1974. So then we turn to the end of May and the Red Sox did something I wasn't too, I didn't take very kindly to. The Red Sox actually ruined my birthday. So on May 25th, I turned 18 years old this year. You know, it was a Friday. I was having friends over that night to celebrate. The Red Sox were in first. Life, life was pretty good, Chris, as, as they'd say. Yeah. But then, I was in fifth period SAT prep because I was a junior in high school. That's when you got to pick the SATs. And I learned that the Red Sox had designated for assignment first baseman Hanley Ramirez. And Ramirez slashed 163, 200, 300, 500 in the month of May, which isn't good. And he was on a large contract. But he was a favorite, and it hurt to see him go like that. And regardless of this, the Red Sox won their weekend series against the red-hot Atlanta Braves. And ultimately, they finished the month of May 39-18, and 18, two games up on the Yankees, but that one still hurt. So now they are in a battle for the division that's going to last seemingly the whole year. And on June 2nd, the Red Sox were in the third of a four-game set against Houston, the defending champs, and Alex Cora's former team. And after they fell in the first two games of the series, they were trailing three to two in the seventh inning of the third game and catcher Christian Vasquez came up trying to tie it. Awesome. Anytime you lose to a team in the playoffs, the next year you want to bounce back and, and show them. Three one, this one hit high in the air, deep to left field and it is gone. Christian Vasquez ties it up here in Houston. So Christian Vasquez, his first home run of the year, and it's a big one. And that ended up tying the game. So Jackie Bradley Jr. walked as the next batter, which brought up Andrew Benintendi. Show it, right? Yes. It's a hard one to, to tell your brain to do. So it'll be a one-two one more time. There goes Bradley. This one hit a ton. Deep right field. Forget it. The Red Sox are in front. 
So Andrew Benatendi gives the Red Sox the lead, and they ended up winning that game and the next one, salvaging a split against the Astros. And from June 21st to through July 12th, the Red Sox offense kept scoring at a particularly high pace. They went 17-3 and during this stretch. They also led the majors in the entire quadruple slash line. That is a 317, 379, 518, 897. They also led the majors in runs scored with 138, Wobo with a 380, weighted runs created plus with a 138, exit velocity with a 90.1, and F4 with a 7 flat. The next best was 4.8. No other team was within two F4 of them. Mookie Betts also just continued to, to tear the league apart. 387, 484, 667, 1150 uh, for, for uh, 479 Woba, 206 weighted runs created plus, and a 1.8 F4, which led the majors. J.D. Martinez also slugged. 392, uh, 425, 730, 1155 just beat out Mookie Betts in OPS, a 480 Woba, 207 weighted runs created plus, and 1.1 F4. Also, shortstop Xander Bogarts, 303, 414, 561, 964 for a 400 flat Woba and 152 weighted runs created plus. Lastly, on the offense, Andrew Benintendi. Slashed or yeah, slashed 316, 386, 481, 867 for a 376 Woba and 135 weighted runs created plus. Also, Chris Sale, their ace was unreal during this time. Four and oh in four starts, one earned run in 27 innings pitch. That's Devin Williams' entire season. Chris Chris Sale did that. An 016 FIP. He actually got unlucky in that one earned run through the four starts. 16 strikeouts per nine, 1.33 walks per nine. And on June 28th, the Red Sox acquired first baseman Steve Pierce from Toronto in a trade uh, that, you know, fills the hole that Hanley would have had. And on July 2nd, the Red Sox were up against a tough opponent in Max Serger, but it would ultimately be an unlikely candidate that came through against the reigning two-time Cy Young winner. Oh my goodness, Porcello's going to jack one to the bullpen on two hops. It's going to clear the bases, and the Red Sox lead 3-0. A 96 fastball turned around by a pitcher. So Rick Porcello turns around his former Detroit Tigers teammate in Max Serger and puts the Red Sox up 3-0 in a game they'd go on to win. Also, on July 10th, the bases were loaded for Mookie Betts, looking to take the lead against the Toronto Blue Jays. to party indeed Mookie Betts with a 13 pitch at bat ending in a grand slam absolutely electric stuff uh for some personal experience Chris when that happened that's when I started thinking like this this team's got to do it 
this team has to go all the way. Yeah, it was pretty unique in that it felt like the the release of that home run after the 13 pitch at belt, it felt uh, for 13 pitch at bat felt like um felt like they had just won a playoff game even though it was the middle of july yeah and it was it made sense honestly it was weird so i was in i was in cape cod during that game and uh i live in new york so obviously i'm not you know i'm not in the new england area and um there wasn't so i couldn't actually watch the game because it was blocked out so i was in the radio sitting in like my bedroom in the house and that happened and I went nuts. it was awesome yeah that's uh and I, I learned later on this season that that listening the, to the game on radio kind of is anxiety inducing. It's it's quite yes. Quite oh my odd. god. Yeah. yeah, it's uh it's wild. Yeah, but but anyway, yeah. Yeah, on July fourteenth, just days after that, in the same series, in fact, the Red Sox had the bases loaded in the in the tenth inning after tying the game in the ninth, and Xander Bogarts was trying to send the fans home happy. I'm hacking. Most of the big crowd up. They're all loaded. High fly ball, deep into left center field. Get out of Way here. back it carries. That here. ball is gone. The Red Sox walk it off in style. That's how it's done. So Xander Bogarts with a walk-off grand slam. They only needed a they only needed a sack fly from him. There was less than two outs, but he said, "No, I'm gonna do more than that." And uh, the Red Sox they ended up finishing the first half 68 and 30. That is a 6.94 winning percentage, four and a half games up in the division. And uh, now on to the the All Star Sox. A little first half recap, if you will. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Chris Sale, Craig Kimbrell, and Mitch Moreland all represented the Red Sox in the All-Star game. Uh, Mookie Betts definitely earned it. Argument for first-half MVP for sure. Mookie Betts, uh, his slash line up to this point was 359, 448, 691 for an 1139 OPS. A 470 Woba, 199 weighted runs created plus and 6.7 F war. And in all of those categories, except on base percentage, he led major league baseball, the entire league. JD Martinez was also impressive offensively. He slashed 328, 393, 644 for a 1037 OPS, a 432 Woba, 173 weighted runs created plus, and his 29 home runs in the first half were tied for the MLB lead. Mitch Moreland also was very good. He was slashing 278, 353, 500 for an 853 OPS, had a 362 Woba and 126 weighted runs created plus. And Chris Sale on the pitching side of things was excellent. 10 and 4 record with a 2.23 ERA, a 2.18 FIP, and 13.12 strikeouts per nine, which led the majors. And Craig Kimbrell was very good. 
closing out the games for guys like Chris Sale. He, he had accumulated 40 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 1.77 ERA, 13.72 strikeouts per nine, and 30 saves. And in the All-Star game, uh, Mitch Moreland went two for three. J.D. Martinez went one for three. And Chris Sale pitched a scoreless first. So a very, uh, you know, a very productive day for the Red Sox in the All-Star game in, uh, in it, it was uh, Washington. And uh, to start out the second half, <laughs> to start out the second half, on July 25th, the Red Sox acquired Nathan Eovaldi in a trade. And on July 27th, the Sox were down three to two to the Twins. And that was when young third baseman Rafael Devers came up looking to tie it. Three runs, six hits for Minnesota, two runs, six hits, an error for the Red Sox. So the Red Sox tie it in this late July game. And later in the 10th inning, Mookie Betts came up trying to put an end to this game. And a fly to center. Mookie Betts walks it off for the Red Sox in this game. Uh, while the division race was very tight, so every game really mattered. And all seemed well, uh, but the Red Sox had a major issue. Chris Sale went on the injured list after this game, so the Red Sox would be without their ace moving forward for an indefinite amount of time. And on July 30th, the Red Sox made their last in-season move, by trading for second baseman Ian Kinsler. So now we get into the Yankee series, and I mean the Yankee series. On August 2nd, the Red Sox welcomed the Bombers to Fenway Park for a four-game series over the, over the weekend. The Red Sox went into this weekend five and a half games up in the division, but with a losing record against the Yankees that season. And before the series, uh, Yankees GM Brian Cashman sounded off about his thoughts on the Red Sox, where he said, quote, you wonder what their record would be if they weren't playing us, because when we go head to head, we do some damage against them. And it doesn't seem like anyone else is capable. You know that Michael Jordan meme where it says, like, and I took that personal. Yeah, the Red Sox took this personal, specifically 
Steve Pierce, newly acquired Steve Pierce in game one of the series. before got him way out front but this one he had something waiting for him you know sometimes when you look bad on a pitch you might want to look for it again because you may get it again and he did and that time he just absolutely crushed it out of the ballpark so the Red Sox that quickly back in the ballgame Speedway will donate $500 to Boston Children's Hospital for every Red Sox homer. It's Mookie Betts. It makes a lot of sense. But he was in a state of shock. It's a high fly ball left field deep. Way, way back. It is gone. with his second of the ball game. Totally out of Fenway. And his second on a breaking ball. He got a breaking ball from uh, Sabathia. He gets a spinner right there on the inside part of the plate from Holder. Boy, this Red Sox team, I tell you, just uh, you talk about Pierce, what he did right there. Holder was in shock after the stolen base. Then he throws a cutter, hanger, three-run Johnson. See ya. And trying to make it six and a half tonight. There's another one. High deep drive. Left field of the monster seats. It's off the light standard for his third home run of the game. Have a night. Have a week. Goodness gracious. Throw him another slider. So Steve Pierce, a guy who grew, grew up a Red Sox fan, gets to do some damage against the New York Yankees. And in game two, Rick Porcello had a historic outing. Trying to make fast work of this guy, and he does. That was good morning, good afternoon, good night. He gets a one, two, three. His one, two. In there to catch him looking. I love that pitch. I mean, that pitch right there just gets left-handed hitters to quit. The two-seam fastball, you think it's inside. It comes back a little bit to the corner, and you're on your way back to the dugout. Just that little movement is enough. <laughs> Don't hug me. Okay. Just put some of that freeze on it. <laughs> One, two. There it is. Telling you. Got him. Pinned into the plate. Back-to-back -back strikeouts for Rick Porcello. Look bad. 0-2. Put him away fast. Three pitches. Curveball slider slider. Yep. See ya. This isn't really a, a good slider. Ball's up out of the zone. Yeah, it's almost uh, too high to hit. Oh two. Foul 
tipped into the mid back-to-back Hayes. He's only needed six pitches. I mean, this is a clinic, man, this inning right here. It took a two-seamer. He's setting up inside, but it runs out over the plate. A little foul tip. He'll take it. And a nice little play by Leon, too, to hold on to that foul tip. That, man, that, that's worth something. <laughs> Two-two foul tipped into the mitt. He struck him out. And he has struck out three over the last two innings. He is absolutely dealing right now. And Duhar in the third inning. In there to sit him down. Man, he's had some very quick outs. Well, he really has. And he is coming right after these guys. He's got the 4-1 lead. He throws the little cutter right there or a slider. One of the two. Look at that. He puts away another one. Man, he is a machine right back-to-back -back strikeouts. I mean, he is just cruising. I mean, it's one of those rare nights where it just looks like he can do anything he wants with the baseball. Whatever he thinks he wants to do, he can get it done. And they go right along with it. I want you to swing at my high fastball. Two-two. Puts him away with a breaking ball. 16 in a row. Now that, that curveball tonight has been absolutely excellent for Porcello. I mean, it's been, you know, for strike one, for strike two, for strike three. He's had it all night long. Red Sox on the verge of winning the first two of this huge series. Off the middle. Bogart. Yes. Got him. Magnificent. Rick Parcello ends the night by retiring 21 in a row. An incredible performance. The Red Sox win the ball game 4 to 1. Best pitching performance of the season. Last night, the Red Sox bludgeoned them with the bats. Tonight, Rick Porcello suffocates them on the mound. Chris, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen like a better performance from a, for a whole game from a Red Sox pitcher in my life. Like I wasn't old enough for John Lester's no-hitter, neither Clay Buckles. This may have been the one. Um, yeah, it's our, it's probably the most efficient, uh, game ever pitched by, um, by a Red Sox in our, in our lifetime. Most efficient for sure. And I'll get into how efficient it was. It is one of just five starts in baseball history with a game score above 90 and 86 pitches or less. And no, for the record, Greg Maddox isn't one of them. Yeah, oh, wow. not even Greg Maddox could do it. It's called a Maddox. Greg Maddox didn't even do that. And it is the only start in baseball history with a game score above 90, 86 pitches or less, nine strikeouts, and zero walks. Rick Porcello. You know what it is? Maddox Maddox never got the strikeout, so he couldn't get the Exactly, game exactly. But you know, you think of you think of complete game in less than eighty in less than eighty six pitches, you think of Greg Maddox. He never got a game score at ninety though. Yeah, you never know. Was was he really that good? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> in game three of the series, Mitch Moreland looked to give Chance Adams a rude awakening in his major league debut on the mound. Word of the minors was he occasionally lacked poise in high leverage situations. 
Driven out to right deep. See you. Robinson back. Kiss it goodbye. Two nothing Red Sox. Match Marlin strikes for number 13. How about the production the Red Sox are getting from their first baseman? Unbelievable between. So Mitch Moreland with a first inning home run, a two-run home run at that. Later in the fourth, J.D. Martinez looked to add collateral damage. Eight games at Fenway, sitting 365 with 18 homers. Toyo tires the official tire of the Red Sox. High fly ball, Jack deep to left field for the monster seats. It is gone. And there is your major league home run leader again. With number 33. Yeah, you can't be half stepping with that mediocre cheese in there. He just loses it. Great that we get some Dennis Eckersley yeah. in this episode. The being a Red Sox fan, one of the best treatments I've ever had is the three-man booth between Dave O'Brien, Jerry Remy, and Dennis Eckersley. It was literally the only good thing about the 2020 Red Sox season. It was. Well. I mean, I like don't get me wrong, I still miss Don Orsello with all my heart. But I love having the three of those guys in there, particularly just because Eck and Remy are both very fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all we we miss Orsillo, but you know, O'Brien is a he's a solid replacement. He's still he is a good he's a good play by play guy, but he's not the personality that Orsillo ever was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is fine because you know those two guys provide the personality. For sure. Yes. So J.D. Martinez hits a home run in that game, and Nathan Eovaldi also went eight shutout innings in that one, and the Red Sox won 4-1. to one. They were just one game away from sweeping the New York Yankees. But in game four, they were trailing 4-1 to one entering the ninth inning, and after Araldis Chapman had walked Sandy Leone, Moogie Betts, and Steve Pierce to load the bases, J.D. Martinez came up with two outs. The last of the night. First pitch, lined into center field, a base hit. Leon scores. Here's Mookie, and it's a one-run game. So all of a sudden, the Red Sox are now down by one, and the next batter was Xander Bogarts. Bogarts with a chopper up the third baseline for Andujar. Long throw. They can't make the play. Here comes Bradley to score. And this game is tied. Santa Maria. So the Yankees fumble the bag. And the Red Sox, by some sort of miracle, tie the game on one of the most improbable plays ever. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was sick. It was, yeah. Thank, thank, thank goodness for, for Miguel Andujar. Absolutely. Absolutely. His Later defense, in the 10th inning. His defense Andrew was ben- one of the only reasons he did not win a uh, rookie of the year that year. Yes, precisely that. Later in the 10th, Andrew Benatendi looked to finish off all the damage that had been done so far. <laughs> Two balls and a strike. Bounced up 
the middle. And through! And that's how the Red Sox have walked it off tonight! Wow! Shout out to Tony Renda. I was so badly thinking about changing the lead in to be like, and then Tony Renda was on second trying to score the winning run. Yeah, Tony Renda, his only appearance this entire year was that pinch running uh, appearance where he ended up scoring the winning run. And Sandy Leone wouldn't have scored on that, so that was a very good decision by Alex Cora. But the Red Sox sweep the Yankees, and they are nine and a half games up in the division. So now they continue on. After the series, the Red Sox won nine of their next 11. And during this time, Chris Sale made his return from the injured list. Retired the first six. Nunez got a hit. He's retired everybody else since. 2-2 delivery on the way. Another one. Oh, mercy. That's 12 strikeouts in the ball game. One of the one of the most forgotten parts of that season was that Chris Sale made one start off the IL before going back there for another month, and he had a five innings pitched, one hit, and twelve strikeouts. Yeah, and for that the record, was that was incredible. Like I remember watching that game, and it really Does that guy it, look hurt to you. He, he no, not he was throwing the hardest he had all year. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he was playing a team from the New York Penn League. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the Tri-City Valley Cats, though. No disrespect, but he would have – This it looked like, you know, not the Tri-City Valley Cats, but he probably would have – this probably looked like a start with him against the uh, Connecticut Tigers. Yeah. I, th- I think – I'm pretty sure the Valley Cats actually won, like, the that year. I could be wrong, though. I don't think no, I don't think they did actually. I think they I, won. In 2018, I I worked for the Connecticut Tigers and their their offense was not very good. So I can assure okay. I can assure them him that <laughs> credit. Sure, sure. Um, this remains the only start in baseball history with five innings pitched, twelve strikeouts, and one hit allowed. And like I mentioned, although Sale looked great, he actually had to go back on the injured list for another month. And the Red Sox finished the month of August 93 and 43, 50 games over 500. They were more games over 500 than they had losses, and they were seven and a half games up. And then we get down to business in the Red Sox, finishing out the regular season to become uh, the best regular season team in team history. And on September 5th, the Red Sox had been in a wild game against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, after already tying the game when down 7-1 to one in the 8th, they were later, later trailing 8-7 to seven in the ninth, down at their final out. And it was September call-up and minor league signing Brandon Phillips looking to show that he still had something that was left in the tank. Swing and a drive deep left field. Brandon Phillips ambushes and just hit a two-run homer.
He almost hit that to his front porch in Stone Mountain. So Brandon Phillips, a man who had probably less than 20 plate appearances with the team in total, uh, comes up with a go-ahead home run. And that won them the game. Team. Uh, yeah, facing one of his former that. teams. Yeah. And in mid-September, Chris Sale finally made his return to the rotation. Uh, David Price uh, was, you know, in Chris Sale's absence, stepped up as the number one. And he went 4-1 and one with a 1.75 ERA and 1.8 F4. Both his ERA and F4 were second in the American League over that time. And on September 12th, the, in a game that was started by Price, the Red Sox were going for a milestone victory. Yeah, go get him. 0-2. Yes. He struck him out. And the Red Sox win it one to nothing. And for the first time. That was their 100th win. Their 100th victory. And they'll be filling room going off. Uh, <laughs> it was their 100th victory. And this was the first time in a very long time. 1946. 1946. It had been since Ted Williams's 1946 Red Sox, where he won his first MVP after winning Triple Crown and hitting 406. Uh, was his first MVP, and the Red Sox won 100 games. It had been since 70 in 72 years, 72 years since mm -hmm. they'd won 100 games. And on September 20th, more importantly, they had a magic number for the division at one. They needed a game, one game to win their division. And the pitch. Swing and a miss, and that'll do it as the Red Sox clinch the American League East for the third straight year. So there it is. They clinched the American League East for the third straight year, as you heard from Michael Kay. And on September 24th, they went for a Red Sox franchise record. ready and a ground ball to Brock Holt he's there win number 106 the Red Sox all-time record 2018 the winningest season in the clubs peep the Hall of Famer baseball person over there on YouTube uh, yeah shout out to Tony LaRusso uh, and the Red Sox finished the season 108 and 54. However, many were skeptical about them uh, going into the playoffs. Um, their bullpen had a 4.77 ERA in the month of September, and also they had not done very well against. They'd been pretty much average against uh, teams that were in the postseason, so there was a little bit of 
skepticism heading into this postseason. So now before the postseason, we're going to look at those who were successful in 2018. First of all, we got to talk about Mookie Betts, the American League most valuable player, and he deserved it. He slashed 346, 438, 640 for a 1078 OPS on the season, 10.6 B war and 10.4 F war. He also produced the only season in baseball history with a 180 OPS plus, 25 stolen bases, and 1.5 D war. Yeah, no surprise that Mookie was the American League MVP that season. JD Martinez in his first season with the Red Sox coming on as a big free agent contract. He slashed 330, 402, 629, 1031 with 43 home runs and 100 RBIs, 130 RBIs. Betts and Martinez are the only teammates since 1938 with 6.5 offensive war, a 300 plus average, and 30 home runs. And this got him fourth in the MVP vote. Also, I think that stat might mean to say 330 instead of 300, but I could be wrong. Sander Bogarts, their shortstop, uh, slash 288, 360, 522, 883, with 133 weighted runs created, plus 23 home runs and 103 RBI. This got him 4.9 F4 and 13th in the MVP vote. Also, Chris Sale, uh, he went 12-4 and with a 2.11 ERA, 158 innings pitched. If only he qualified, he was just four innings shy. Also, a 2.09 ERA plus with 13 and a half strikeouts per nine. This got him 22nd in the MVP vote and fourth in the Cy Young vote. Also, the 2018 Red Sox are the only team in baseball history to have four pitchers with 12 plus wins, 8.5 plus strikeouts per nine, a 100 ERA plus, and 50 or less walks. The four pitchers to do that were Sale, Price, Porcello, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Also, Craig Kimbrell, uh, he pitched 62 in third innings pitched, 42 saves, a 274 ERA, 161 ERA plus, and 13.9 strikeouts per nine, per nine. Also, quick shout out to Ryan Brazier, a reliever they had gotten from Japan uh, the year before, who hadn't pitched in the major since 2013, and he had a 180 ERA in 33 and two-thirds innings pitched. Very impressive. Also, Alex Cora, second in the manager of the year vote, and also... He made headlines during the season when it was revealed that he put up a picture from every team win on a wall in his office, sort of, sort of bond all the guys. And that was awesome. But now none of that means anything if they don't win the world series and they had to do it first against the New York Yankees in the American league division series. And in game one, after Chris sale set down the Yankees in the first JD Martinez looked to set the tone for this big series. At second, reached on a single. Pierce draws the walk. And the 2-0 to Martinez. Pulls one deep left field. Is it high enough? It is gone. It just sneaks over the monster. And a three-run bomb. J.D. Martinez puts the Red Sox on the board first. So the Red Sox had quite the start in that one. J.D. Martinez getting it going. The Red Sox would add two more in the third on a Pierce single and a Bogart sack fly. And after Chris Sale departed uh, through five and a third innings, he left two stranded base runners, and that's where trouble began. The Yankees chipped away quickly and made it a 5-2 game, and the bases were loaded in the sixth with Brandon Workman facing Glaber Torres. 
Two outs. All three runners will get a head start. And it's Workman who starts from the windup. There they go. The pitch. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. What a big moment in the game. Workman strikes out Torres to end it. Yankees get two. And it's five to Boston. A beautiful pitch there from Brandon Workman in a huge situation. The Red Sox went into the eighth, leading five to three. And all the questions about what they were going to do with their bullpen. How are they going to build that bridge to Craig Kimbrell? They were answered by Alex Cora bringing out Rick Porcello, a starter, to pitch a scoreless eighth. Nobody expected him to do that, but he did, and it was awesome. Yeah, and, and ninth, I remember when when pe- when we were watching that game, the, the fifth through, like, the seventh innings were so slow, and the they were, oh, it was miserable. Extremely, extremely, you know – you know methodically and then rick porcello came in there was maybe 10 seconds in between each pitch everyone was so happy when that inning happened it was it was a big sigh of relief i was worried like i was ready for like matt bar i mean no disrespect to matt barnes but i was like all right he's gonna come out like do how confident do i feel and rick porcello obviously did a great job and then in the ninth craig kimbrell he did give up a leadoff home run to aaron judge but he looked to lock it down in a 5-4 game So the Red Sox win game one in one of the many games from this postseason that took years off of our lives, but it was worth it. So they go up one to nothing in the series, and in game two, David Price, with the postseason narrative, would unfortunately keep it going on this night as he gave up three runs in less than two innings. And in the fourth, Xander Bogarts came up looking to chip away. Xander Bogarts, high drive. Deep center, Gardner is out of room. It's gone. Down goes the beer. Xander Bogarts, a solo home run. And Boston is on the board. 3-1 Yankees. I don't know if you noticed there, Chris, but I was today years old when I saw that on Bogarts' home run there, the scoreboard said bets. Uh, it did. It said bets. It said bets, and there was a number fifty. Yeah. Oh boy. That's uh. It, was, it wasn't even up. up next, so there's no excuse. Someone got fired that night. Uh, see. <laughs> um. Unfortunately, it would not be enough. The Yankees ended up winning six to two. And after this game, Aaron Judge blasted the song "New York, New York" by Frank Sinatra when walking back past the Red Sox clubhouse. And we know what happens when the Yankees do this to the Red Sox. Doesn't end well for them. So now we go to game three in the Bronx. The Red Sox scored three runs in the first three innings of the game on RBIs from Christian Vasquez, J.D. Martinez, and Rafael Devers. In the fourth, the wheels all came off for the Bombers. After Mookie Betts walked to score in a run, Andrew Benatendi looked to put the game out of reach. A number two hitter driving in 87 runs this season. And he rips that one. Fair ball. Down into the corner. One run is in. Vasquez right behind him is Bradley. And Betts right behind him. 
A three RBI double. Andrew Benintendi. So Andrew Benintendi makes it a 7-0 game in the fourth. And this one got away quickly as the Red Sox ran away. And also Nathan Yovaldi pitched seven innings of a one-run ball. But make no mistake about it, this game belonged to utility infielder and legend Brock Holt. Yankees fans waiting for their team to jump back into the fray here. Down 3-0 and first ball swinging Brock Holt, a base hit. And the singles continue to come for the Red Sox. Their sixth hit, all of them are singles. Well, this is turning into the best lineup change in the history of the game by Alex Cora with Brock Holt, Endeavors, Vasquez. Two on for Holt and a line drive, fair ball into the corner it goes. More runs are coming in for Boston. Pierce tried to score from first. He is in. On his way to third is Holt. It's a two RBI triple. Can you believe this? 10-0 Boston. And a seven spot in the fourth inning. Well, another hit down into the corner. And we said before that Aaron Judge plays so far in the gap in right center. By the time he gets to this ball, the two runs are going to score easily. And Holt turns it into a triple. And I read back in the World Series. That was driven into right center field. Brock Holt. And on the chase, that is going to bounce up and out. Have a night, Brock Holt. It's a ground rule double. Devers will score the run. It's an RBI double for Holt, who has three runs batted in. Is a home run shy of the cycle right now. Single, triple, double. And a three for five night. Just a fastball up and over the plate from Tarpley to Holt. Doesn't get any hotter than that for for Brock makes it 12 to 1 <laughs> and a little shimmy <laughs> would that be the dead fish yes that ball's ripped down the right field line that is a fair ball home run and the cycle for Brock Holt he hits for the cycle in a postseason game so what if it's off a position player History for Brock Holt. Single, triple, double, homer. 16 to 1, Boston. So, Brock Holt, the only player to this point to hit for the cycle in a postseason game. Mike Chris, my favorite part about this whole game in general was like Yankee Stadium in the playoffs is obviously known for very, being like a very loud, hostile environment. And on Brock Holt's double, you can literally hear someone say, yell the word dive towards the outfielders. Yeah, yeah. Like that place cleared out so quick. It was like, it was like, uh, it was like the Masters right before someone's about to hit a drive. That's how quiet yeah. it was. That's, that's what it was. The Red Sox won 16 to 1. And that is to this day the most lopsided game in Yankees postseason history. 
you know, it's such a historic franchise. The Red Sox came in there and won 16 to one. There has never been another Yankee playoff game, whether the Yankees won or lost with that margin. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So now the Red Sox are one game away from ending the Yankees season and they could do it in their own house if they win in game four. The Red Sox got off to an early one nothing lead on a JD sack fly in the third inning. And later in that same inning, Ian Kinsler looked to come through with two outs. Well, another base hit for Boston. Could certainly tighten the screws on Aaron Boone. That one's hit hard left field. Gardner can't make the play. Bounces off the wall. Pierce scores. Kinsler into second base with an RBI double. It is 2-0 Boston. So Ian Kinsler makes it a 2-0 game. The next batter was Eduardo Nunez. Former Yankee, might I add. Yeah. Four hits for Boston. Two of them in this inning. Two hits, a hit batter. And now another base hit. Nunez into left field. Kinsler's going to turn and head home. It's going to be 3-0 Red Sox. Eduardo Nunez with a two-out RBI single. His first RBI of the postseason. The Red Sox go up three to nothing early on the Yankees. And then in the top of the fourth, Christian Vasquez look up, looking to let off, looking to tack on. Season, but one of the great closing seasons in the history. Fly ball, right field, Vasquez sending judge back, got some carry, and this ball's going to bounce out. It's a home run for Vasquez. Four nothing Boston as Vasquez goes deep. So Christian Vasquez with a very Yankee Stadium esque home run makes it four nothing. The Red Sox were taking control early in this ball game, and as the game went on, Rick Porcello continued continued to deal. And Alice Cora kept his bullpen strategy as Chris Sale pitched a 1-2-3 eighth. Craig Kimbrell went into the ninth, but gave us all a heart attack. I think I'm sure we all remember this one, Chris. Yeah. After a single, two walks, and a hit by pitch, Gary Sanchez had a sack fly to make it a four to three game. The tying run was on second, and the Yankees were down to their last out. He hit Neil Walker. Yeah, on the first pitch. <laughs> the first pitch it wasn't even a competitive at bat here he comes the one two bouncing ball gonna be a tough play Nunez gloves throws and in time for the out the Red Sox will celebrate but there will be a challenge you can guarantee put the pause button on That challenge doesn't matter. The Red Sox eliminate the Yankees on their own turf in a season where they were supposed to run the AL East and move on to the American League Championship Series against the Houston Astros, the defending champs, and Alex Cora's old group of guys. And uh, are you going to... I was going to... I wanted to open it up to you. Any thoughts on this series? Personal experience, Um, memories, 
Howard, Howard, yeah, what was yeah, I mean, it like? Uh, first of all, I will say Christian Vasquez, uh, 320 foot homer might have been my favorite of the season might have given me giving me the most happiness because the Red Sox kept giving up those types of homers to the Yankees and uh when Vasquez did that that was maybe the happiest I was at a home run uh, during that whole season so I, I I live in New York right obviously I mean it's not New York City it's a different part of the state but still you know it's Yankee Town and Man, I cannot believe I didn't get expelled from school after the series ended. <laughs> that, that, that is all I'll say. Yeah, it was, um, it was glorious. You know, we, we didn't really experience 2004, but this was as close as it, as it could get, you know, beating the Yankees in a postseason series. Like people, people like strictly, and I'm, not, I'm talking like teachers, teachers and students like strictly avoided me in school. I didn't have any intentions of being mean, but if I said hi to someone, they would like strictly avoid me being like, I'm not talking to you today. I'm like, why not? What, what happened? Did, did I do something? Oh, oh wait, the, the Luis Severino forgot what time the game started. I forgot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. JD but, uh, Martinez in the series. Do you want to say something? No. JD Martinez in the series slash 357, 421, 571 for a 992 OPS with a home run, six RBIs, and three walks. Ian Kinsler also slashed 308, 357, 462, 819 uh, in a big series for him. Also, from the bullpen, Joe Kelly, Heath Hembry, Matt Barnes, and Ryan Brazier all pitched at least two shutout innings. And the Red Sox were going to compete for the American League Championship. So in that American League Championship series, they're facing the defending champion Astros, and um, the Red Sox were kind of seen as slight underdogs, I would say. You know, the Astros had won 103 games themselves. They weren't really healthy the entire season. I guess they were in a more competitive division. So the we will see how the Red Sox fared against these odds. And the Astros went up early on a George Springer two-run single, the newly, newly acquired by the Blue Jays, George mm-hmm. Springer. But at this time, he was an Astro. And after that, Chris Sale and Justin Verlander settled in. And in the bottom of the fifth, the Red Sox loaded the bases for Mitch Moreland, who drew an RBI walk. And two batters later, Andrew Benintendi came up to the plate looking to tie it. Now Benintendi in a hole. The one-two from Verlander. A little half swing gets away. Maldonado can't fetch. It's a run in. It's a tie game. Everybody advances. So Andrew Benintendi doesn't particularly tie it, doesn't particularly tie it up, but it's a tie game nonetheless on a wild pitch. Uh, unfortunately, the Astros took over from the sixth inning on, and they won the game by the score of seven to two. Then in game two, the Red Sox took an early lead on Andrew Benintendi first inning single. And later in the inning, Rafael Devers, their rookie third baseman, looked to tack on. Here's a 2-2. Devers in the left field, a base hit. Benintendi scores the run. Boston adds to it, 2-0. And Devers gets the call over Nunez and delivers for his manager right away. Well, there was a game against the Yankees. Well, now it's... 
So Devers makes it a 2-0 ball game for Boston Red Sox. And the Astros later tied it. How, despite this, the Astros later tied it on a George Springer single, single and took a 4-2 lead on a Marwin Gonzalez two-run homer. And in the bottom of the third, the Red Sox had the bases loaded with two outs, and Jackie Bradley Jr. looked to sway the momentum. Now, he sure is. Pitchers love throwing to him. In the air, left field, that is slicing. Down in the corner, and it is off the wall. Two runs are in, and Devers is going to score. It's a three-run double. Jackie Bradley Jr., Boston on top. So Bradley, with the runners going on contact, drives in three runs on a double to give the Red Sox a four to, uh, five to four lead. And in the bottom of the eighth, with the Red Sox now leading six to four, Mookie Betts looked to provide some insurance for the Red Sox. Over the top, looking for a big hit from Betts if you're with the Red Sox. And a line shot right center, it's down. Devers will score. Leon to third, in to second with an RBI double is Mookie Betts. With the chance of MVP. So, it's 7-4 Red Sox now. And the Red Sox ended up winning the game by the score of 7-5. So then, in game three, they go to Houston and with Betts and Andrew Benintendi both reaching on singles JD Martinez looked to give the Red Sox an early lead two on Martinez a base hit just inside the bag Betts will turn and head home he'll score easily on his way to second Martinez he's in with a double it's an RBI for J.D. Martinez, and it's one nothing Boston in the first inning. You know, Brian, there was... Martinez gives the Red Sox the lead early in game three. And the Sox got another run on the inning on a Xander Bogart's ground out. And after the Astros tied the game in the fifth inning, Steve Pierce looked to take back the look immediately looked back to take the lead 2-2 Pierce hit the near wall scraper in the third inning that was caught by Tony Kemp and Pierce drills one deep to left field down the line if it stays fair it's gone it is fair it is gone and the Red Sox lead it 3-2 on a solo home run by Steve Pierce who absolutely crushed that pitch into the Crawford boxes and right down the left field line. Pierce with a postseason home run, his first of the postseason, and A.J. Hinch making the stroll out to get Joe Smith. And the Red Sox get the lead right back. So now the Red Sox have the, have the lead back after giving it up in the fifth inning. 
And in the eighth, the Red Sox extended the lead on a Mitch Moreland hit by pitch. Then Jackie Bradley Jr. looked to put it away against the Astros. I'd love to see Jackie come up with another one of those three-run doubles here. (laughs) Again, there's only been 10 of them in American League Championship Series history, and Jackie has one. And the 1-1 to JBJ. Swing it a high drive to right field. Reddick going back. Back to the warning track. This ball is going, and it is gone. A grand slam for Jackie Bradley Jr. And the Red Sox have broken it open. They lead it 8-2. Can you believe it? Jackie with a three-run double in game two and a grand slam in game three. And it's 8-2 Red Sox. And that will do it for Osuna. So the Red Sox and Jackie Bradley Jr. break it open to make it 8-2. And the Red Sox would would win by that exact score, giving them a 2-1 series lead. (laughs) And now in game four... The Red Sox once again threatened early with men in scoring position with two outs. Rafael Devers was up looking to take advantage of the opportunity. No balls, two strikes. Devers in the air left center field. It is down a base hit. Betts is in the score. Martinez will score. And the Red Sox strike first again. Rafael Devers with a two RBI single, and it's two nothing Boston right out. So the Red Sox once again capitalized with runners in scoring position. And the Astros got one back in the first, but it very well could have been more as the Red Sox got a bit of a break, I guess you could say, or the right call on a uh, fan interference call. If you, if you don't remember, there's a Jose Altuve uh, fly ball to right. A fan kind of interfered, went over the fence, and uh, it was called an out. Thanks to, in part, to Mookie Betts' historically good defense. And the teams went back and forth until it was 5-4 to four Houston in the sixth inning. Then Jackie Bradley Jr. looked to give his team the lead back. pitch and he swings and drives one to deep right back it goes and this ball is long gone two run homer jbj and the red sox have the lead six five boston jackie bradley jr with nine rbis in this series oh did he launch it first so now the red sox have the lead back thanks to the repeated heroics of Jackie Bradley Jr. And later in the ninth, it was eight to six uh, Red Sox. But Craig Kimbrell was struggling. After walking the bases loaded and inducing two fly balls, the Astros had the tying run on second and two outs for Alex Bregman. He's walked the bases loaded here in the ninth inning, and now he's got to face Mr. Clutch, who thrives and lives for these moments. Kimbrell deals. Bregman in the air, left field. Benintendi dives, and he makes the catch! Oh, what a play! Game saver, Andrew Benintendi! He got it! 
The Red Sox As win. I just went head over heels in my chair. Joe just <laughs> fell down. <laughs> oh, wow. What a catch by Andrew Benintendi. Unbelievable. What a play. And the Red Sox lead the series three games to one. Tremendous play by Benny. Benny came on, went to his glove side, took a dive, and made a sensational catch. Yeah, and uh, for some personal experience, my, you know, I sort of envy my dad for this. My dad fell asleep around the oh, seventh or eighth inning. Can't do that. Out, missed can't all that drama. It. And then Alex Bregman hits that one into left. Ben and Teddy makes the catch, and uh, I eventually wake my dad up through through some celebration. Yeah. How many different emotions did you go through in those three seconds? Because when it, when it went up, I honestly thought, oh, he's got that easy. Like, I didn't think he was even going to need to dive. Yeah, I was. I, I saw it, and I was like, he's going to have to come in on it, but he will probably mm-hmm. get this. It looked like it was going to hang up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and then he sprawled out for it, but I, I wasn't – completely shocked that it was a was that it was a catch you know no I thought he I thought it was he was just gonna make it on the run like, I didn't think a dive would even be necessary I was like oh wait he's got that and then he dove uh full disclosure I had tickets to game six of the series and so I I mean obviously I'm still rooting for the Red Sox to win but if the Astros were to come back and win that that game I was not going to be the most angry person in the world because that would mean I'm going to play out uh, but I'm okay with the end result anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, after after this game, what the wild ride was, it seemed very much over the uh, the series. And it seemed like even with going against Justin Verlander, it just didn't seem like the Astros were going to come back from that. And so after – in game five, after Verlander and Price were scoreless through the first two innings, J.D. Martinez – looked to put the Red Sox on the board. And he's trying to make it three Ks in a row. The 0-2. Perfect pitch there, missed by the home plate umpire. Perfect slider. This is how you diagram it up. The 1-2 is deep in the left field, and J.D. Martinez with a home run. Boston strikes first as Martinez pops his second home run of this postseason, his first of the LCS. Red Sox 1-0. And the Red Sox take a 1-0 lead in, in this game five. And later in the sixth inning, it was still one to nothing. And Rafael Devers looked to put the game out of reach. Here's the pitch. And he swings and hits one in the air to left field pretty well. Back goes Kemp. Back toward the wall. Looking up. And this ball is gone. Three-run homer, Rafi Devers. Four-nothing Red Sox. It kept carrying and carrying and went into the Crawford boxes just to the left of that corner out there where the seats jot out. Played perfectly in a three-run homer, Rafi. His first home run of this postseason, and the Red Sox have a 4 nothing lead in what could be the clincher. Pretty, pretty interesting uh, thought process by that, by that kid there. 
Don't 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 throw it back. That's a postseason home run. Doesn't matter if it was hit against your team. Yeah, if you're gonna throw it, a throw a ball back, you got to be like that um, that guy at Fenway who bounced it off. You either have to be. Yeah, you either have to be the guy who bounces it, who hits the player as he's rounding the bases, a moving target, or you got to be like Henry Rowan Gardner. Yeah, you got to be like Rowan Gardner. Like you can't, it's got to be a strong throw. Like you got to yeah. make it to the infield, no exceptions. Yeah, you can't just wimp it out to the warning track. No. Uh, that's not acceptable. But anyway, the Red Sox were up four to nothing. Meanwhile, David Price looked was looking to set aside the narrative uh that he was a you know a choke artist i don't think uh we've ever seen a starting pitcher prepare for his start much like david price did yesterday in the bullpen and a strikeout for price but he's in the cleanup spot tonight as he takes a call strike three david price has excellent command to start two outs price deals and it's a call strike three Vasquez signed down and now david ready lifts the leg pitch home and strike three called he got him on the inner half of the plate just above the kneecaps the swing and a miss David Price spots that fastball on the inside corner again. He picks up his fifth strikeout. Pitch from Price. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Got him with one down and away as David kicks and delivers. Swing and a miss. He got him chasing one in the dirt. That is strike three. And Price with his seventh strikeout. And he got him. That is strikeout number eight. Riznik swings, hits a little dribbler, third base side, Price off the mound, fires a one-hop, scoop for the out. Nice play by Moreland as David Price has an easy fifth inning. So he's at 81 pitches through five. His next strikeout will set a new postseason career high for him. He's sitting on eight. This is a huge story developing and a swing and a miss. It's his ninth strikeout for David Price. So Price with a nine strikeout performance, six shutout innings uh, for the 2012 Cy Young winner. And in the ninth inning, Craig Kimbrell would have a much easier time getting outs than he previously did in the postseason. Kimbrell and the Red Sox and out away. Astros are a base runner away from bringing the tying run up. Kimbrell deals in the air, deep left field. Moving back, back toward the wall. He reaches up, he makes the catch. And the Red Sox have won the American League pennant for the 14th time in their history. Andrew Benintendi with the last put out there mobbing Craig Kimbrell. On the road once again. World Series bound. The fourth trip in the last 15 years. And the first time since 2013 this incredible season is going and just like that the red sox are american league champions in 2018 uh the the uh headliners of that series jackie bradley would win um, uh alcs mvp slashing 200 400 667 for a 1067 ops he had two home runs and nine RBI along with four walks. 
He had he had three hits and they were at the most perfect times. Like if you could have ch- handpicked three at bats for him to get his hits, they were they were they were the exact ones, and it was two home runs and a double. Yes, it's exactly that. Uh, it was pretty incredible that he was able to win ALCS MVP on three, three hits. hits, and it made complete sense. It did. Uh, Rafael, <laughs> Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers was also very good. Uh, actually, excellent. 385 average, 1082 OPS with a home run, six RBI, and two walks. JD Martinez was very good as well. 278 average, 409 on base percentage, 500 slugging for a 909 OPS, one, uh, one home run, three RBI, and four walks. And Steve Pierce hit 214 with a 353 OBP. 500 slugging and 853 OPS with a home run and three walks. And Nathan Nivaldi on the pitching side of things made a start and a relief appearance going seven and a third with two earned runs allowed and five strikeouts. And David Price in total, 10 and two thirds innings pitched a 3.38 ERA and 13 strikeouts in those 10 and two thirds innings pitched. So the Red Sox are now in the World Series against the defending NL champions, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in game one at Fenway, after Mookie Betts led off with a single and stole second, Andrew Benintendi had a chance to drive him in early. Right side, base hit. Here comes Betts. Queen comes up throwing. Throw no good, too high. Down to second, Benintendi. One to nothing, Boston in the first. So the Red Sox get an early 1-0 lead on the Benintendi single. They would get another two batters later on a Martinez single to go up 2-0. Throughout the later innings, the Dodgers tied it on a Matt Kemp home run and a Manny Machado single. In the bottom of the third, J.D. Martinez looked to give the Red Sox back the lead. balls went in with a fastball. center field back at the wall it is off the wall running around third is pierce red sox regain the lead it's three two so the red sox go up three to two on the double by jd martinez and later on after the teams continued scoring it was five to four red sox with two and with two men on the Red Sox, Alex Cora, subbed Rafael Devers and pinch hit Eduardo Nunez. Ball hitter off the left-handers. That is hammered in the left. It is gone. Pinch hit three-run home run, Nunez. And the Red Sox open. So Alex Cora with a genius decision to bring Eduardo Nunez in that position. The Red Sox go up eight to four. They go on to win by that score and they go up one to nothing in the series. So now we move on to game two in the bottom of the second, 
Xander Bogarts was on second with two outs, and Ian Kinsler was looking to drive him in. That's a base hit. Here comes Bogarts. The Red Sox jump on top in game two. Another two-out RBI for Boston. It belongs to Kinsler. So the Red Sox go up 1-0 on the big hit by Ian Kinsler. In the fourth, the Dodgers took the lead on a Matt Kemp sack fly and a Yasiel Puig RBI single, making it a 2-1 game. In the bottom of the fifth, Steve Pierce tied the game with an RBI walk against Ryan Madsen, and the next batter was J.D. Martinez. And now you go from Pierce to J.D. Martinez. After a huge year, flies one into right. This one will drop. Red Sox are on top. Two-run score. It's 4-2. He doesn't always try to do it one. I will never understand why Yasiel Puig was playing so far back, or at least why he was positioned so far back. But it was cool in the moment. The Red Sox took a 4-2 lead. David Price and the bullpen shut it down. The Red Sox won 4-2. They were up 2-0 going into Hollywood. So now in game three. It was a pretty dramatic pitcher's duel between Walker Bueller and Rick Porcello. Uh, through the first seven innings, it was 1-0 Dodgers on a home run in the third by Jock Peterson. In the top of the eighth, closer Kenley Jansen came in to face ALCS MVP Jackie Bradley Jr. Bradley trying to pull one. Trying to pull one out of here. Fly ball into right. Back at the wall. This game is tied. Red Sox tie the game. Jackie with a clutch home run against Jansen. And this game, don't, this, 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 the statement that it goes into extras is an understatement. In the 10th, the Red Sox had the go-ahead run at third with one out. And Eduardo Nunez was up. All he needed was a deep enough fly ball. 10th inning, the pitch. And a fly ball into center field. Dellinger's got a great arm. He's underneath it. He makes the catch. Here comes Kinsler. The throw to the plate, and he is out of the plate. What a throw. Dellinger guns down. Ian Kinsler. And the Dodgers avoid some serious damage. Cody. So Cody Bellinger makes a picture-perfect throw to keep the game tied and bring it to the bottom of the 10th although the Dodgers would not score. Deep into the 13th inning, the Red Sox took the lead on an awkward play at first, and later in the bottom of the inning, the Dodgers were down to their final out. Muncie at second, the 1-1. That's up the middle. It's backhanded. Throw to first is wide. This game is tied. Kingsley threw it wide. It's 2-2. The question is, did the ball go in the well? And they're going to look at it now. So Ian Kinsler throws the ball away. And 
allows the game to be tied. If he just held the ball, the Red Sox would have actually gone on to win on the next batter. This game would go deep into the night, and Alex, Alex Cora's game plan was pretty clear. Ride Nathan Ovaldi till the very end. Well, here is Nathan Ivaldi after a scoreless 11 put up by Heath Hembry. 3-2. Struck him out. 1-0-1. Here's Barnes now. Popping up into right. Mookie Betts is there, and this game is going to the 14th inning. Fought it off. Little fly ball into right. Mookie Betts is there. Leading two games to none. Here's a 3-2. Struck him out. Here's a 2-2. Got him on the inside corner. 0-2. Struck him out. Evaldi gets through another scoreless inning. Couldn't get another hit. A strikeout. 96 from Evaldi. Monsi flies one in the air to left center. Back at the wall and it's gone! It's over! Monsi, a walk-off home run to win game three in the 18th. Night, night. So Max Muncy walks it off in a game that took literally years off of our lives. This game lasted seven hours and 20 minutes. It was the longest game in World Series history. For us, it ended at 3.30 in the morning. It honestly felt longer. And uh, I'm going to tell a personal story. Chris, you know exactly what this is. I've probably told this to you on multiple occasions. But um, I was a senior in high school. You know, it was October. You know, I got I had to start up on the, the college application process, which later brought me to Springfield College, which is, which is pretty cool. Glad for that. But I had to take, uh, I had to take the ACT, uh, that test that they make. I mean, you don't even have to take it, but my mom wanted me to. And it was, this game happened on a Friday night. I had to take it that Saturday morning. And I was at a tutoring session the night before. And I left like 15 minutes before the game started because I didn't want to miss anything. And the guy told me, Hey, don't stay up too late watching the game. Like, make sure you get some rest. You get a big test tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course not. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Of course, I didn't realize the game was going to go until 3.30 in the morning. And I still stayed up for the whole thing. It was miserable. And I got three hours of sleep. And I took a four and a half hour test. So, uh, yeah, I spent more time taking the test than I did sleeping. <laughs> You did me. You really, you did your, you did yourself there. But uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that, I remember that. Yeah, it, it was, um, it was kind of discomforting. And yeah, that, that Kinsler play definitely did, I died not, inside. did not make things easy, but I still felt comfortable with the series, but then game four got a little rocky. Yeah, so it was another pitcher's duel, this time by Rich Hill and Eduardo Rodriguez. In the bottom of the sixth, the Dodgers took a 1-0 lead on a throwing error by Christian Vasquez. And after that, Yasiel Puig looked to blow it open. 3-1 and one with runners at first and third. Rodriguez to Puig. Fly ball to left. 
It's on its way, and it's a three-run home run for Yasiel Queen. Dodgers come out of the dugout to greet Queen, the conquering hero. Now he's inside the dugout, getting high five pats on the back. Yasiel Queen crushes one, and all the momentum the Red Sox had built up at Fenway was gone. I remember at this point I was moving on to the idea that, all right, Sox and six, let's win this thing at Fenway. And someone in the clubhouse was not taking too kindly to all of this. Look at Chris Sale pumping up his teammates in the dugout. Chris Sale was not happy with the offense, and I don't blame him because he, he always got the short end of the stick of the offense when he when he started with the Red Sox. But yeah. he was not happy. In the seventh inning, you would you want to say something? Sorry. No. Okay. In the top of the seventh, Mitch Moreland came up with two on and two out, looking to answer Chris Sale's demands. Leading by four. Hit three-run home run, Moreland. And the Red Sox are within a run. So Mitch Moreland crushes a three-run home run. One of the farthest home I mean, other than Giancarlo Stanton hitting one out of Dodger Stadium, that might be the longest home run I've ever seen in that ballpark. That ball yeah. was destroyed. Uh, and it made it a 4-3 game. And I got to admit, when that home run was hit, it felt inevitable that the game was going to be tied at one point. And the next inning, Steve Pierce looked to do just that. Team. So 0 for 41, the top four spots in these two games. Here's a fly ball into left center. Back is Bellinger at the wall. The game is tied. Steve Pierce. Four, four in the eighth. So Steve Pierce ties up the game once again with a home run off of Kenley Jansen. The Red Sox get him for a second straight night. And later in the ninth, Rafael Devers singled to give the Red Sox the lead. And Steve Pierce came up once again, trying to expand that lead. Into the gap in right center field. This ball is down into the wall. It will empty the bases. Steve Pierce, what a night. 8-4 Boston in the ninth. So Steve Pierce laces one into the gap, a huge hit, and that would pretty much go on to do it. The Red Sox ended up winning 9-6. to six. They were one game away from winning the World Series. And in Game 5, the Red Sox had this opportunity, and once again, Steve Pierce was ready to party. And the Dodgers, it is so important 
for Clayton Kershaw to put up a zero here in the first inning for L.A. Well, absolutely. And as Pierce hits one in the air to left center field, back at the wall, there will be no zero. Pierce has got another. Two-nothing Boston in the first. So Steve Pierce quickly makes it a 2-0 game. The Red Sox weren't going to push down on the throttle, but the Otters did get one of those back in the first as David Freeze hit a leadoff home run. The game stayed 2-1 for a while as both pitchers were settled. And in the sixth, Moogie Betts was still looking for that first career postseason home run. So, keep to themselves, it has to do with how the other team might play the late innings. Strategically, 2-2, high fly ball in the left, back at the wall, it is gone. Betts has made it 3-1. Shout out to that Dodgers fan, couldn't be happier. He could not, <laughs> yeah, no, they were, I mean, hey, I mean, I guess, I mean, this is going to hurt to say, but they were ahead of their time cheering yeah. for Mookie Betts. Yeah. Ah, oh, pain. So Mookie Betts gets his first postseason home run. The Red Sox go up 3-1. to one, And one inning later in the seventh, J.D. Martinez was looking to join the party. That's where Clayton's got to buckle down now. High fly ball into center. Back at the wall, and he's Martinez goes deep. Four to one, Boston here in the seventh. The funniest thing about this game, how does is just how the Fox broadcast endlessly cursed Clayton Kershaw like right before the Pierce home run in the first inning Joe Buck literally said like it's so important for him to put up a zero and then he immediately goes deep and then it, before that JD home run John Smoltz goes Kershaw's got to buckle down here home run to center field yeah they were pointing out everything that he was not able to do immediately after yep it was I mean it was impeccable timing that's yeah. why that's why they call Clayton Kershaw one of the best just right on time he delivers <laughs> Um, the game seemed just about wrapped up at this point, but Steve Pierce wasn't done yet. Nothing and one to count. High fly ball in the left, back at the wall. He's got another. How about Steve Pierce? Second of the game. Third in the last two games. It's five to one Boston here in the eighth. So Steve Pierce makes his case for World Series MVP. And with all the offense that had been provided in this game, five runs on four home runs, David Price was just as strong on the mound. David Price. Winner in game two, working slowly, he deals. Swing and a miss at a high fastball. Tied him up inside and got him. 
What a way to start. Swing and a miss at a breaking ball. He got him. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss at a high fastball. He was overmatched. So there's the third strikeout for Price. And if there's one guy the Dodgers would one up in this spot, it's Justin Turner. Infield in. Grounds to short. Turner goes after the first pitch. Two out in the inning, and a big out by David Price. Pitch on the way. Swung on and hit in the air to right field, slicing foul. And J.D. Martinez right in foul ground makes the catch, and the tying run stuck at third. David's 1-2 pitch. Swung on and missed strike three. Boy, did he chase one outside. Check swing. Did he go? Yes, he did, says the home plate umpire. And Taylor fans, that's five punch outs. And the pitch. Swing hard shot toward the middle. Backhanded by Holt. Has it from the outfield grass. Fires and got him. Great play by the Brock Star on a very hard hit ball to the right of second base. And David Price has thrown only 76 pitches over six innings. Swung on and a ground ball right back to him. He turns, lobs at the first base. Puig is out. David shouts. Oh, what an outing. This is your game. This is your game, Poppy. A nice moment on the mound as David Price exited. So David Price completely sets aside the narrative that he can't win in the postseason in the best possible stage on a World Series clinching mound. And in the ninth, the opening day starter look to finish everything that he started. Sale gets the ball for the ninth inning, at least to start it. Another 0-2 pitch coming. Here it is, and he swings and misses at a pitch in the dirt, picked up by Christian, fires the first out. Two down, one, two outs to go. Here's the 3-2 again. And a swing and a miss, a terrible swing at a slider. He was all tied up. One out to go, two out here in the ninth. The last five Dodger batters have struck out. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers five to one. They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? For the fourth time since 2004 and the ninth time in franchise history, the Boston Red Sox are World Series champions. Yep, they did it. Steve Pierce was deservingly the World Series MVP. He slashed 300, 500, 1167, 1667 with three home runs, eight RBI, and four walks. Also, Eduardo Nunez went three for 10 with a 900 OPS. David Price, he had a very strong case for World Series MVP as well. 2-0, 13 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 198 ERA, and 10 strikeouts. Also, Joe Kelly out of the bullpen, six shutout innings with 10 strikeouts. The Red Sox winning the World Series for the first time in five years. And they will go down, as of right now, as the most dominant team in Red Sox history. They were the best team in baseball virtually throughout the whole season. They got they got going right from the start, 17-2 and two, to start the season. They never even let up 
Uh, the only reason they weren't in first at times is because the Yankees also ended up being a 100-win team. And they, they took the franchise record in wins in the regular season. They never lost more than one game in any playoff series, and they won the World Series. Also, they flipped the script on the New York Yankees. That was the team that was supposed to run the division. They had a, the two-headed behemoths of Stanton and Judge at the top of their lineup. The Red Sox did some damage. They took Brian Cashman's words. He, they made him. They made him eat it. They took Aaron Judge in his boombox. That he made. They made him eat that as well. And they did exactly what the Yankees were supposed to do this year. Also, they established the importance of old school versus new school managers and the difference between them. Because Alex Cora, after this year, was sort of set as the gold standard for like an old, for a new school type of manager. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the 2018 Red Sox, you know, I, what I can say about this team is, like, I remember at the beginning of the year, it was, uh, you know, they were facing the Rays, Marlins, and then the Rays again, and the Rays weren't really expected to do much. So it was like, you know, you got to start out easy. You, you got to win, like, you know, six out of nine here, and then they won eight yeah. out of nine. And then, it, and then like, uh, I guess the Yankees, it's like, you know, let's see if they can do well in the series. And then they – it took two out of three and like every, every, like they, they did everything you wanted them to do and more. It was the easiest regular season to go through yeah. that, I've ever, that I've ever experienced. And then in terms of the playoffs, you know, there were times where I definitely had, uh, had my doubts, you know, like after game, after game two of the ALDS heading to New York, but then they wiped all those worries away with a 16 to one win. Um, you know, in the in the ninth inning of game four of the ALCS, Andrew Benintendi comes in with uh, the most clutch, one, one of the most clutch, clutch end of the game catches you'll see in the postseason. And then in the World Series, right after they gave gave up, uh, you know, a three run home run to Puig to make it four nothing within three innings. It was they, nine four. They flipped the script and make it a nine to four game you know they even when they had adversity they got rid of it extremely quickly extremely quickly and that's why it was pretty easy uh to be a red sox fan in this year even with the with the um playoff anxiety with the bullpen and all i mean you're never gonna have a world series run where there isn't anxiety yeah for sure never are you gonna have that um yeah i mean this entire, the entire regular season, obviously, like, I think the worst moment of the regular season for me was when they cut Hanley. And that, like, even made sense. Yeah, yeah, it did. Because like, we didn't get Steve Pierce if we don't do that. Yeah, there was, there was really nothing, especially later in the season when it, when it really counted. They, there was, there was nothing to complain about. No. Um, this is, yeah. this was a once in a lifetime type of team that we, should never count on seeing again. Yeah. You know, teams, fan bases don't really deserve to see teams like this multiple times in their lives. No. We got to see it at a, we got to see this team at um, one of the best times we could have. And yeah, it was, it was great. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's all we have on the, on the 2018 Red Sox. Are we ready to move on to our favorite part of the, ep of the episode? Of course we are. And now on to our favorite part of the episode where uh, we're selecting the fate of our next week. Uh, we got, we got uh, 
six six more of these i think so right? we're uh we're gonna reshuffle after this week yeah we get to reshuffle and that'll last be our last reshuffle man yeah you know we uh so this week we're picking numbers one through ten uh because we reshuffle after every uh five after every five uh we yeah five weeks five players and teams and you know we've we've given the load down before but uh we've we're picking players and teams to talk about this all started during uh during quarantine without baseball needed some needed some things to fill our time and uh it's continued on into this uh into this off season so i will be picking a uh number one through 10 to determine the team we will be talking about i have no idea what the list of teams look like daniel has no idea what the list of players look like and he will be selecting a number one through ten to determine the player you go first uh, i'm picking first i'm pretty sure yeah all right so now to determine our fate um next week we will be talking about team number three haven't done that yet right you haven't done number three um we entered the uh the the round of 10 teams with three american league east teams remaining we will be going into the round of five with zero this is a team that was the greatest at the time was the greatest team in the history of this franchise they established uh the success of the best player their franchise has ever seen and they took them they took this team to the american league uh promised land we are going to be discussing the 2008 tampa bay rays 2008 rays mm-hmm. special... Evan longoria we got a uh, matt no no matt garza was matt garza on that team matt you garza know. was on the team yeah he was he was um he David game Price seven of the year. LCS. carlos pena was on that team um, ej upton ej upton carl crawford Cliff Floyd. Cliff Floyd. Yeah, this is... Uh... Jason Bartlett. <laughs> yes! Jason Bartlett's borderline MVP season. Oh, yeah. 18th <laughs> in the MVP vote, I think. Yeah. Yep. We'll be... <laughs> we get to discuss that. Yeah, the basis of our uh, email to baseball reference. Yeah. Pretty wild. <laughs> Pretty All wild right. that he, he oh, was able to do that. So in short, going into the to the round of five, we still have to do the Angels, the Rockies, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Marlins. Yeah, we got uh, we got three NL West. Yeah, pretty wild how that how that panned out. Um, and I guess you know we um we we uh we went our first twelve episodes without doing a pitcher, and uh, now it's like 50-50 selecting a pitcher. Oh, but wow. okay, what? Uh, player are we going to be talking about uh for our next history episode i'm not going to be able to pick this number again so player number 10 player number 10 um this guy somewhat similar career to lefty grove in that he was a lefty who's excellent into his late 30s this will probably be actually our longest episode yeah i think i know who it is yeah we're doing is it hold on, hold on? Have we have we covered multiple teams that he's played on? Yeah, this is the guy. Yeah. This is the guy we've done. We've done him. We've covered two of his seasons. I was already. one. I think a couple weeks ago, I said like you said Nolan Ryan's gonna be our 
our longest episode. So I was like, okay, so this guy isn't on the list, right? Because if he's on the list, that's our longest episode. Yeah. Okay. This may be, yeah, our longest episode. And I'm glad it's happening, like, not during the middle of school. I love so. talking about, well, I mean, we do start classes next week. Yeah. But, you know, but, it's, and it doesn't really count because we're not going to be there. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's syllabus week. But next week, we will be we're talking do, about the tallest man ever. The unit, six foot 10 man, <laughs> 4,875 strikeouts, Randy Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, we get some 95 Mariners talk. We get some 01 Diamondbacks talk. We get the greatest four-year pitching stretch ever, possibly. Uh, yeah, very arguable that it is. And yeah, uh, our um, our newest pitcher yet, or, or I guess, yeah, he started his yeah. career uh, two years after Maddox. So our uh, our youngest youngest pitcher yet, I believe, I think. And yeah. Randy Johnson will be the subject of our nest of our next history episode, kind of a, a similar route of lefty Grove in that he was able to dominate in his, in his thirties. He did amazing. And he was, and he was one of the better strikeout pitchers of his time. Yes, he was. He was. um, Yeah. Right up there with Nolan Ryan in terms of, you know, 10 strikeout games, 12 strikeout games. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be a lot. So we hope you enjoyed this uh episode of above replacement radio if you are listening on apple Podcasts or spotify and want to watch the videos with us go to our youtube channel it is called above replacement radio and subscribe to the youtube channel and uh if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore curran and follow the show instagram uh, at above replacement radio same same name as the podcast and we hope you enjoyed the 2018 red sox episode and we hope to see you next week where we will be talking mlb news per usual and then on thursday we'll talk randy johnson and on friday we will be talking about the 2008 tampa bay rays see you then <laughs>